Hi, I'm Nick Holland from ISMG, and today I'm going to be discussing GDPR implications for banks. I'm joined today by Brett King. He's a futurist, an Amazon best-selling author, and is the CEO of Movin, a neobank. So welcome, Brett. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Nick. So let's get rolling with uh, GDPR. So we're talking about, you know, obviously U.S. banks here, the impact it's going to have on them. So what areas of banking do you think are going to be most impacted by GDPR? Well, you know, first of all, let's look at which banks, um, U.S. banks, will have to comply with this. So, you know, U.S. banks that have European offices obviously have to comply. What it, what what's considered an office or European location can be simple as. All you have to do is ha have a website that you know um, has maybe uh, you know French or German language support, and that would qualify you for that. The other area where it's sort of a grey area is where a U.S. bank has European customers, um, and so whether that is a U.S. Uh, a, you know a, a U.S. citizen who now lives in Europe, or a, a U.S. company that has a subsidiary in in Europe, um, or European um, residents that have a U.S. accounts. You know, there's some some grey areas there in respect to this, but overall, in terms of the areas that are going to be most impacted by GDPR, it's it's really comes down to the way, primarily, the way banks deal with your personal data as a customer, and secondly, in respect to how they handle breaches of personal data and personal information. Um, the other aspects are really under the principles of GDPR in terms of you, you as an individual customer being able to ask the question about what data the bank has on you, and uh, sort of this one rule, which is sort of the right to be forgotten. Which is, um, you know, if you uh, if you have uh, you know Google search in Europe that turns up some information that you don't want displayed there, you have the right to tell Google now that uh, they uh, they should remove that information. And so, uh, you know, that that's the same for the banks. Now, you know, there's challenges around that in terms of. You know, where banks feel they have to maintain data from a regulatory purpose uh, in respect to know your customer regulations and things like that. But clearly, banks have been fairly unstructured in respect to this. They've just collected tons and tons of data, and it's in many different systems uh, spread throughout the bank. And to date, banks really, you know, if you went to the CIO of most banks and said, what data do you have on me as a customer? Um, you know, they, they really wouldn't be able to tell you in a concise manner. So that, that's really sort of the core problem in respect to compliance with uh, GDPR. So you think that that's where banks are going to run afoul of GDPR, where they, they just don't know what they don't know? Yeah, this is obviously the key problem. Um, and where this is going to come up is obviously, you know, we do have breaches from time to time. My guess is the first time we will see action by the EU regulators against a US bank for breach of D GDPR will probably be in the instance where uh, personal data for customers is exposed through some sort of data breach, right? So that's probably the likely enforcement action we'll see as a result of that. But uh, at the same time, you do have sort of a cultural shift occurring here, which is happened as a result of Facebook. Um, and so I think customers in the past were a little ambivalent in respect to this. Uh, you know, if it doesn't involve me directly, if my personal data is not stolen, if I don't have a breach and money is stolen out of my account, then you know, I don't really care. You know, I, I, I trust the banks to look after that. But the 
exposure of data with the you know the Cambridge Analytica stuff with Facebook has really exposed or opens people's minds to the fact that they do have a ton of data out there and they're now starting to ask questions about how people that they trust with their data are managing that and you know right now uh, uh, you know from the perspective of US banks there's not a lot of good answers coming out as yet they just this is not something from a, a perspective of a structured approach that most banks in the US have had to deal with. Now they've got a shift in, uh, you know, sort of perception of the public and the European uh, new regs coming out. And so it's sort of forcing uh, banks for the first time to really look at this in a structured way. And, And I think they've got a long way to go. That leads into, I guess, another question, Brett, which is, you know, obviously the redness of US banks. Does it have teeth? GDPR? You know, are US banks kind of ambivalent or are they genuinely concerned about this? I mean, what, what's the temperature right now? Depends who you talk to, but, you know, you do have a range of responses. The larger banks obviously are taking this seriously. Um, they you know, over the last few years have had issues with uh, money laundering and so forth that have resulted in large fines coming out of Europe and, and elsewhere. And so, you know, they're, they're very concerned about compliance in respect to this. But of course, there's also the other view, which is, you know, American banks saying, well, it's a European regulation. We, you know, we, we, what does it have to do with us, you know? And so until there's actual um, uh, action taken by the regulator against a U.S. bank, I think, um, I think some of them will just ignore it, frankly, which uh, is is problematic. There's, uh, of course, I think the larger organizations that have committed to digital and have large millennial take-up right now, um, which is evidenced by sort of the shift in deposits, um, I think that is, is you know, th- those larger institutions are going to have to have data policies and sort of see that through from a, from a customer segmentation perspective at a minimum. You know, just to sort of put that in perspective, mid-90s, uh, you know, the, the largest dozen banks uh, held about 20% of assets uh, of deposits in, in the US. Today, that's more like 60% of deposits. And that has not happened um, because of branch network or anything like that. It's happened purely because millennials as new customers have been choosing those with the most uh, mature data platforms because they're, they're digital first. And so you've had um, over the last 10 years, the millennials as they've started to require banking services have moved to those platforms that fit their idea of a bank. And, and this has resulted in sort of a, a shift of uh, deposits and assets. And so they also have an expectation around things like privacy. So I think, you know, the larger organizations like Chase and, and Wells and so forth obviously are approaching this more systemically because they understand their their millennial customers are going to be much more demanding and much more informed on this, better informed on this than, but you know, say baby boomers or Gen X. So you know, GDPR is obviously a European law uh, as of the 25th of May. Do you think it's going to serve as a template for future U.S. regulation around data? I I would have said no up until we saw the recent uh, Senate hearings around Facebook. Now, the fact that Facebook and other organizations like them have, you know, Google included, have voluntarily committed to comply with uh, GDPR and have said, we will make this a consistent standard across the globe in respect to our platforms, means that it sort of already has for the larger tech organizations like Amazon, Google, Facebook, Netflix, has become the de facto standard. Um, When it comes to banks, though, 
you know, the the banks have had a, a, a pretty significant compliance workload over the last uh, you know, couple of decades, and that seamless spend in IT is is primarily focused on compliance the last decade. And and so I think you know the uh, response from um, many banks in this situation would be, we'll wait and see what the U.S. regulator has to say. We're not going to put on, we're not going to carry extra costs and extra responsibilities unless we have to. For those banks that clearly have European presence and operation, then they really don't have any choice. Um, but I think those where there's marginal um, exposure on the GDPR rules, I think you know they're probably going to wait for uh, U.S. regulators. Having said that, I think... Um, I think the GDPR is a good template, but I think also if you look at what's happening in China, you know, China's got a sort of a different approach to this, which is there's, um, you know, uh, data sharing is, uh, particularly at the government level, is much more accepted from a Chinese perspective than it would be in Europe. And so these are really the two sort of emerging constructs that that, um, will help us think about the future of this. Um, and if you want access to services in the future, for example, you know, let's say uh, you know, you're wearing an Apple Watch and it has a um, EKG, ECG uh, capable uh, band on your wristwatch that captures heart rate data, reports that to a service provider that can process that data and predict whether you're going to have a heart attack as an example. This is sort of a basic service we might have in the future. If you don't allow data sharing amongst multiple organizations for your heart rate data, you're simply not going to have access to to that quality of care that's possible through that technology layer. The same with open banking in respect to financial health and getting access to the right credit tools and, um, you know, and, and things like that. Data sharing is going to be foundational for the world that's coming. Data is is core to that. So GDPR is probably a reaction to the systemic changes around data use we're seeing. However, it's probably from the perspective of customers authorizing data access by all these uh, tertiary organizations that might be able to provide you with some benefit, it's probably too restrictive at this point. So unless we can automate the way that happens and make it less of a workload for individuals to determine where their data should be shared, then I think you know that's going to create some uh, friction that we'll have to sort of dial back on in the future. But this is, this is a world that is sort of new. This data-driven service layer, this data-driven um, analytics pl- piece, uh, the, the fact that your data is now a value is really at the core of this. And what Facebook learned out of this is that the fact that they can capture that data and uh, share that with others, that's no longer just about the fact that you know, your data has value to a corporation. Now it's the fact that Facebook has to deal with the fact that if they're going to share that data with an organization for their benefit, they have to be transparent about that. And ultimately, you have to feel there's enough of a value exchange that you're getting from Facebook to allow that to happen. Otherwise, Facebook has to come up with a better model. They have to say, well, we're going to sell your data and we're going to give you a share of the you know, income from that or something. So I think, you know, this is part of a sort of systemic shift around data and you know we're, we're going to have to adapt and it's going to take us another 10 or 20 years to sort of figure it all out. Thank you Brett. That was Brett King, CEO of Movin for Information Security Media Group. I'm Nick Holland.